Welcome to Arkansas AgCast, your source for the latest news and views in Arkansas agriculture. Arkansas AgCast is produced by the Arkansas Farm Bureau Federation. Welcome to the Arkansas AgCast for December 2nd. I'm your host, Rob Anderson. This week, we're live at the 87th Annual Arkansas Farm Bureau Convention in Little Rock. We'll talk to two first-time attendees at the convention, we hear from an exhibitor at the event's trade show, and we talk to a workshop leader about farm and ranch branding and marketing. First, we talk with Logan Duvall of Me and McGee Market in North Little Rock about the importance of relationships and entrepreneurship in agriculture. He also offers his thoughts on attending his first Arkansas Farm Bureau convention. Well, welcome back to another segment on our podcast here. I'm Shaylee Wallace-Barber, and I'm here with Logan Duvall. And you are known for Good Roots with us, but you're also better known for me and McGee Market. So do you want to tell us a little bit about your background in agriculture? Yeah, so I grew up in Atkins, so rural outside of Russellville area, the River Valley. And um, so grew up watching, you know, the pickle plant being the primary employer and uh after it left i saw that uh, depression of what happened to the local economy but uh still life goes on and so we had a lot of the uh, hay i grew up with my grandpa one grandpa doing chicken houses one doing uh, uh feeder operation and and hay and so uh just in different many 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 different facets of mm-hmm. agriculture so as you fast forward into today in your adult life Let's talk a little bit about Me and McGee Market for anyone who may not be familiar with what your endeavors are there. Me and McGee Market is uh, a, a side-of-the-road produce stand. So it started, my grandparents started it and, and named it after uh, me and Bobby McGee. Their, their last name was, was McGee, so after the song, and that uh, that nothing was planned. Uh, it, was, it was pecans selling on the side of the road. And uh, so over the years, it's developed. My grandpa ended up uh, getting cancer and a long, long battle with that. My mom joined and added a whole nother layer, put her fingerprints on on the market and started embracing social media and grew the the home garden and, and selling more and more and started making pickles and jams and jellies. And that just kept kept growing a little bit year after year. But uh, once my grandpa uh, passed away, they... The, the business out outgrew them. So I, I left home and I moved down down to Little Rock and, and we just started fine tuning and grew it more. And so what we're able to do is uh, we don't won't grow anything anymore, but we are a retail focused. And so the marketing, the sourcing, the working with farmers, making sure that the the products are up to snuff, the whether that's meat or canned goods or, or tomatoes, well, it doesn't matter such a wide wide offering and, and we're more like a grocery store than we are and um with that uh the marketing that that's my whole world right so like the facebook and instagram and and, and so we started doing some videos and things and that led to uh, more exposure and more opportunities i feel like you kind of undersold it when you said little side of the road market uh it's it's beyond that it's i've been there quite a few times so it's very family atmosphere there's a lot of walkthrough areas a large variety of things so for anyone who has not been highly recommend you visit it's a wonderful place to be and everyone i've interacted with there has been just wonderful um and you also have another aspect there from your journey with your son do you want to talk about that a little bit too in uh 2019 um my my oldest of four 
four children was diagnosed stage four cancer. And um, so after my grandpa's battle that I'd mentioned earlier, uh, been I, I also worked on an ambulance. So cancer has always been something that just keeps kind of punching me mm-hmm. in the face, <laughs> you know. But Lander was diagnosed with cancer uh, 2019. So we went through that and uh, he went from stage four to cancer free in eight months. And, and so, you know, I, I'm, I'm very deeply uh, mm-hmm. religious, um, imperfect as you can possibly be, but very <laughs> leaned on God yes. during that. But uh, so what I said from, from, I mean, at day one was basically the doctors were going to do their part. God's going to do his part and daddy's going to do his. Mm-hmm. So I dove into the nutrition and, and everything with nutrition and food uh, ties into agriculture, which we were already doing. So I was able to expand on that. Uh, actually ended up writing a book and documenting everything that, that we're talking about. But the supplements and the what not to mm-hmm. eat is, is very important. Uh, what to eat, the practices. And, and it just really led down a lot of rabbit holes to where we put in a health food store. Uh, so we have a, an outdoor market, a grocery store. We have a health food store where we have all the things that I use. It's, it's not everything. Mm-hmm. Um, and, uh, yeah, it's such a big deal. I, I mean, it really is. It, it hits home for me. I actually lost my dad to cancer last fall. So um, very much hits home to me. And that story resonated with me greatly. Uh, just my siblings and I and the journey we went through. So I think it was a, it's a great thing to share for our listeners to know that there are resources out there. And like you said, to talk about how agriculture plays directly into nutrition and our health. Um, a lot of people can get misinformed and they're so bombarded by what they see in the grocery store. They don't know what labels to read. They don't know what to look for. So I think that's a great resource for the, for the public to know about. There are so many differing opinions. Yes. And and I think the only way to truly learn it is, is to live it. Mm -hmm. And, 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 you know, for better or for worse, I I have lived it. And, And we've been able to help a lot of people and make an impact and, uh, I'm a huge Wendell Berry fan, uh, and so one of one of his favorite quotes is uh, "eating is an agricultural experience," uh, and so that that so resonates that we don't eat anything for the most part that you get out of your your backyard mm-hmm. anymore. And, and That's you, true. You you don't have the nutrition that you, even twenty thirty years ago uh, they had, and um, I think that's a that's a big opportunity for for our farmers and and markets is to get back to the basics focus on how we're doing things Mm -hmm. uh, embrace it and and dive right in to providing people with unbelievable nutrition and I think it solves a lot of problems I learned today that we Arkansas the state we were ranked third um, throughout the pandemic in the last year in search engine pings for locally sourced food in the whole nation. And I think that speaks volumes to agriculturalists in the state and the local procurement that we're seeing and the importance of what you're doing. You said, you know, we're not a grower, but we're here to help people find that local food. And I think there's a lot of area where people get lost. They get confused by quote unquote, the middleman. Right. So I think I think it's great to have you here to get to talk about that. And like you said, people aren't growing food in their backyard anymore. It's not straight from the source. And as farmers and ranchers, we're doing our best and putting in our best effort to bring those foods directly to the consumer. But they don't realize that, you know, we don't profit the way the stores do. You don't get what directly comes from us. You don't always get the quality of what we know we can produce. And, and that's 
there's kind of a stigma around that, I guess. And there's a great effort on the farmer and rancher side, but there's not as many people like yourself that are out there marketing for them. And they're not doing the best job telling their story all the time. And that's really what Farm Bureau is here for, is to help them tell their story, to say we're here, we're putting forth that effort. I think you've hit on something that's that's a lot bigger than I think a lot of people realize. Mm-hmm. Um, so business is hard. Yes. Right? I, I mean, and so I, I have a business coach. I mean, I, I I don't have all the answers by any stretch of the imagination, but I've been I've been successful. And with with that, there you're able to break out the different components of mm-hmm. business. And and like I, you know, one of my things that I'm always telling our our group is you can do anything, but you can't do everything. Absolutely. And and so we. I focus on marketing. That, that's my marketing efficiency, big picture. And then, you know, my mom, who's a business partner, has her role. And uh, different partners have had theirs. My grandma has her role still. She's still with the, the business. What we've been able to do by focusing on the marketing aspect of me and McGee is we can partner with farmers that don't mm-hmm. do anything but grow it. Yes. Right. So I've got a, a tomato farmer right down the road, about four four miles from us, who I believe Ed's one of the best best farmers there is. I think he does a phenomenal job. All he has to do is grow tomatoes, bring it to us, and we'll sell it. And he goes home. Mm-hmm. So he's not going to the farmers market anymore. He's not spending his whole Saturday getting up super early, going and in, in, to a corner or a yes. farmers market or whatever. And of course, the margins not as as high there for him. It's a wholesale agreement, but he has a lot more time. And, and we've been able to do that uh, through uh, multiple, multiple farmers, whether it's eggs or it's e- even meat mm-hmm. uh, to a certain extent. And there's so many opportunities to focus on what you do. So what my point with all that is, is if you can have these partnerships to where the farmer's the best in the world at whatever it is they do, their craft, and you can partner with somebody that can sell it, it's a be- beautiful things happen. So let's talk about relationships a little bit on that note. You know, you talk about this partnership between you and the farmer. What advice would you give to someone who's seeking out those kinds of relationships, especially here in Arkansas? I think everything in life is about relationships. So I was, uh, after after I got off the ambulance, I got into real estate, and one of my uh, mentors was told told me, he's like, people do business with you really for one reason. It's because they like you. And that's a relationship, you know, and you have to execute, you have to earn it after mm-hmm. that. But that, that's the that's the primary reason somebody's going to do business with you is they, they like you. And um, you've, you've got to have the right fit with people that understand and you're on the same page. And I can't stress communication enough. I, I really can't. And expectations. A lot of times somebody will come to me as a vendor and have certain expectations that aren't realistic. And I may do the same thing. I very well may have expectations of what somebody can produce that is not. So having having really candid conversations and not being scared to, to dive into the, the nitty-gritty mm-hmm. of what you have to get out there is extremely important. So for anyone that's not maybe as close to you or hasn't developed a kind of relationship with me and McGee, what would you recommend for them if they're wanting to get into direct from producer to consumer marketing? Uh, not with a, a market, but themselves straight yes, from the farm. Yes, because okay. you guys are kind of a rarity. There's not many people that are taking local Arkansas produce and selling it on behalf of the farmer. Um, we have a few grocers within the state that, that 
apply that concept. And, you know, we've got a lot of great stuff coming with the CARES Act and our state meat inspection program, but it's not as well known about. So if someone doesn't have access to a program like that, what kind of advice would you give them? Uh, it, it would really be twofold because you have to have the consistency of it. And I believe that that's why a lot of farmers markets fail mm-hmm. is because you, from a consumer standpoint, let's say there's a, a Tuesday and a Saturday market, I don't know, but the somebody goes after work on Tuesdays and they, they're expecting to be able to get uh, 15 of the 20 items they need for dinner or for, uh, for the week. Yeah. They get there one week and they're able to just knock it out of the park. They get everything. The next week, well, they can get most of it. The next week they get everything. The next week, nothing. Mm. So they've wasted their time going to the farmer's market. And that lack of consistency is a huge negative for a lot of markets. So as you'll have vendors that just don't show up that time or this. And that's why we don't do that model at all. We don't have any vendors. It's strictly wholesale yeah. that we do. If uh, the producer is going to go straight from the farm, a- again, it goes back to consistency, transparency. Um, and, and then, you know, there, there's a major issue with being honest, too. In a lot of farmers markets, so we sell a lot of things that don't come from Arkansas. Mm-hmm. It's just, we simply can't get it in yeah. Arkansas at certain times. But having that full transparency and honesty is where you build that brand uh, loyalty, and and people can trust you. So if we get apples from Washington, I'm going to say we got an apple from Washington. And when you go to a lot of markets, uh, sadly, people are lied to, and that that will leave that will hurt the entire industry if we don't nip that practice in, in the butt. You talked about, you know, brand loyalty. Um, we had a we had a series going on today with building your brand and your marketing guy. You know how important that is. What would you say to some of these producers that are trying to find that voice or build a brand so people recognize their product when they see it in a market or when they see it on Facebook? One of the first things that I did was I gave a visual. When I became a partner at the market, and what I did was I wanted something that was special, and I used a International Harvester KB2, what was the truck that I went with. My grandpa was very much into the older vehicles, mm-hmm. and so it was actually a 49 model. But it was something that was unique for us. It was agriculturally tied, you know, international. And I gave ourselves an image you know, the logo. And that is extremely important to have something repetitively seen that people can, can connect it to. So that honestly, a logo as crazy as it might sound is extremely important. Absolutely. And having that and marketing, getting it out there and not expecting people to just magically show up because they're not going to. It takes time. It takes time to, like you said, build those relationships and establish that. that relationship. Yes. I think we've had a really great conversation on this today. Um, I want to kind of switch gears for a minute. So we've kind of got a double whammy here. We've talked a lot about, you know, building your brand and your background in agriculture and, and what producers can look for there. But let's talk about what brought us here today. So it is convention week and we've had a relationship with you through Good Roots. Um, we got to see your co-host yesterday. So this looks a little different today. You're here to see what the heck we're doing. So you have not been to a convention before, correct? My first convention. That's what I thought. So you've got to explore the trade show a little bit and see some of those things. Um, we're going to have general session later. What are some of your initial thoughts on convention today? I think it's really cool to see how diverse and how many people are involved. And the 
absolutely unlimited fields, it seems like, of, of specialties that, that are here. I think it's really neat. Uh, I'll be honest, I didn't know what Farm Bureau did. <laughs> I just, I, I mean, I, so I've been, been blown away by the effort that y'all have done, and, and I'm really, I'm really impressed. And the quality of people that I have met are, is something that's very much stood out. So a lot of mutual friends have been here. Mm-hmm. They've seen a lot of familiar faces. And the the mission, the mission's bigger. And I, I really appreciate it. I think one one big takeaway from talking uh, was you know, Simon Sinek has a book uh, called Start With Why. And I think that may be the only thing that I think that we as a state need to, an agricultural industry do, is, is dive into that that why and understanding what what it is that we're we're mm-hmm. doing maybe a little bit better because we're uh, fragmented in the state we really are and I appreciate what Farm Bureau's doing in the trying to rein in that fragmentation absolutely so I think and you, correct me if I'm wrong when you think Farm Bureau did you used to think insurance or usually oh, think absolutely. insurance yeah. yeah insurance and life insurance we hear that all the yeah, time yeah um, we went and spoke to some people about internships and we were like what do you think when you hear Farm Bureau everyone insurance insurance and it, and it's so much more than that you know we have our federation side which is a grassroots organization so it starts at the counties and we hear those issues there and it moves up to the state and eventually it's at american farm bureau and it's on the hill like we care about what our producers have to say and we really really take pride in being that true voice of agriculture and you kind of spoke to that with what you've seen here in the diversity and and seeing people that are invested in that and the why so um what are some things that you think you might like to see at a convention, you know, moving forward? Or what do you think some things that might be beneficial for Farm Bureau to do at conventions? Entrepreneurship is the single thing I believe that is going to turn our country around. It's entrepreneurship. And with that, every single farmer is an entrepreneur. And I don't think a lot of fully embrace or appreciate that Mm -hmm. and probably maybe more so on the the commodity side to where they they raise their crop it's gone and then they go over the every single one of us is is an entrepreneur and all an entrepreneur is is somebody that solves the solution that that comes up with the solution solves a problem or provides a service to make the the you know the world better yes. easier for life and and so in doing that in a profitable way so with with farm bureau i think that we we get we get back to the basics for the basics of entrepreneurship mm-hmm. and i think that you you've hit on it a lot with the talking about what farm the the pr side of farm bureau is trying to do it's it's that ha- let us help you with some of the marketing aspect yeah. to create awareness that's an extremely important part of it and it's just i think i think we got to get back to the basics of entrepreneurship and the more tools and and focus we can do that and collectively do that the the better the entire industry is absolutely i heard someone today say you don't appreciate growing up on a farm until you want to go back to it Mm -hmm. and i think that with our theme this year past present and future we're really invested in what the future of agriculture looks like. But let's look at that from a human standpoint, a humanistic side. You have four children. You know, you are, you said you're not directly involved in growing, but we see so many of these producers out here, and, and they are coming in a variety of ages. We see people with small children outside. Um, we see multi-generations of Farm Bureau members here. What do you think Farm Bureau could do to invest in the future generations of those not only producing 
agriculture products, but those invested in the industry, such as your family? Again, I, I'm, I'm so focused on the entrepreneurial side of it. I think that what we do is we have to flip the script, though. Um, what I have been extremely passionate about and trying to do is to get farmers to understand their entrepreneurs and help mm-hmm. with those aspects. But I think that what we do is we get people that want to be entrepreneurs and have that drive and to show them all the opportunities within agriculture. Does that make yeah. sense? So in flip the script. You, you've got people that just want to make an impact on the world. They want to just build something. Well, that something can be in the agricultural world. Absolutely. And, and again, that's, that's where that innovation, that execution, the, the, it goes back to, it solves issues with health. Mm-hmm. It solves issues with so many social issues. It, it genuinely does through agriculture. So helping some of these younger generations find their connection to agriculture, even though, or find, you know, that passion of, like you said, I want to make an impact, but I don't know what I want to do. Millennials want to make an impact. Yes. So I, I've, I'm, I, I think I think technically I'm a millennial. I think we I both technically are. Okay. I, right, so. I, people associate <laughs> that with the like teenage age right now. Right. I'm like, dang, I'm a millennial though. Sorry. Yeah. <laughs> but you know, they're uh, the gener. We I guess are yeah. the generation that's going to be running things very very soon. And that's it, only slightly terrifying that, now that you well, say that. Yeah, for better or for worse, it's coming. <laughs> it is. It's coming. And if we can cultivate that that spirit that built our country, mm-hmm. you know, the, the problem solving, the initiative, just take on and let's improve things. I, I think millennials want, I know I do. I want to make a difference in the world. Absolutely. I, and I, I don't think that's unique. Uh, I think that there's a negative connotation with millennials mm-hmm. that is warranted in some ways and completely unjust in others. Mm-hmm. I think that we're just maybe uh, different. I think that we are different, and from the viewpoint of people who are family-oriented, we kind of see wanting to improve our country, improve our world for our children and the next generations after us, and I think that there are others that are lost on that fact, or some older generations that, and I, I may be reaching here when I say this, and I don't mean to offend anyone by any means, but they forget that there are people coming behind them. There are people coming behind them that you have to lay a foundation for yep. and set the stage. So I think that's where we can make a difference. Um, but we're excited to have you here today. And I would love to hear any other thoughts you have on your first Farm Bureau convention because this is my first too. <laughs> so new with Farm Bureau, uh, excited to be here, was out of the state of Arkansas for a while and have come back. I interned a couple years ago. So we're on the same page with, this is our first state convention. Uh, it was fun. It was good. It was good to see some people and have some really important conversations. Uh, uh, we uh, were in on the General Assembly mm-hmm. for the Ag. Uh, the Senate Committee? Yeah. There yeah. We go. There we go. And, you know, two of my dearest friends spoke and that was really cool to see, you know, Damon Helton and, and Dr. Ron Rainey. And it just, there's a pureness in agriculture. Yes. That is, it's almost, uh, I, I, it's hard to explain unless you're in it. There, there's, I believe for the absolute most part, everybody wants to just help mm-hmm. and take care of their own families and, and make the state better. And, and that it, that's really re- refreshing to see. 
I think you hit on something so true there. Um, I, I'm not going to lie. I got a little emotional during general session yesterday because it's like you said, there's something so pure about it. I was sitting behind a, a mother and her child and, and she's in, she's trying to be engrossed in what's going on here. And she's wrangling her toddler at the same time. And they're, they're an excelling family here in Farm Bureau. And they love the agriculture industry. And, and you get so overwhelmed by, like you said, the pureness in that. It's, it's a beautiful thing to see how many people are connected here and how many of them are really invested in this industry. So is there anything else that you would like to add for our listeners today? We've, we've talked a while. We've hit on a lot of things. I love it. I love it, though. There's a lot of things to talk about. The, the sky's the limit. I mean, we're not done. Yes. I just hope that uh, everybody that's listening understands that there's a lot of things to be uh, excited about in the future because we're about to knock it out of the park. Yeah. The, millennial, the millennials are ready to get hard at work, whether people believe that or not. We're, we're, so. we're, we're going to work, work, work together yes. with, with all generations. But yes. Yes. It's happening. Yeah, absolutely. Well, thank you so much for joining me today. Um, convention wraps up tomorrow. So we tomorrow on December 3rd. So we're excited that we've had new faces here and, and familiar faces and that everyone is getting to be connected. And we really are laying the foundation for the future here at Past, Present, Future Farm Bureau Convention. So thanks again, Logan. Next, we chat with Lauren Lee of Flying Sea Ranch, who recapped her state convention workshop about farm and ranch branding and talks about the victories and learning opportunities her family's experience pivoting to a direct-to-consumer model. All right, we are on to our next conversation uh, here at the 87th Arkansas Farm Bureau State Convention, and I'm really pleased to be joined by Lauren Lee of Flying Sea Ranch. Uh, Lauren, Thanks for taking the time to join me. Of course. Thanks for having me. Yeah. So this has been, uh, it's my first state convention, I should tell you. And uh, as an employee of Farm Bureau, I've been here many years before, but uh, it's been really an interesting one. So the the theme of convention this year is past, present, future. Okay. We heard from President Rich Hillman yesterday about the future, preserving the future of Arkansas Farm Bureau and really what that means. He surprised us with uh, um, an appearance from Zippy Duval, who's pre- uh, president of American Farm Bureau. And uh, that was really a great conversation. We talked about preserving the future of the farm, not only for your family, but, but for, you know, a Farm Bureau as well. But you're here also kind of talking about change in the future and some changes you guys have made. So we're, we'll talk more about convention here in a minute, but I'm really interested. So you, you presented a workshop, is that right? I did. Yeah. What, what was that workshop titled? It was called building your brand. Okay. Interesting. So I, you know, in the PR world, PR marketing world, my entire career brand immediately makes my ears, you know, perk up. So tell me a little bit about what, what was the purpose of building your brand? What did, what did you guys present on? Yeah, so the hope is that, you know, a lot of folks are getting into agriculture. Um, maybe that's farm-to-table, ag tourism. Uh, but as they enter it, it's really important that you have a name and that you're recognizable because you want to make sure that people know who you are and what you're doing. And I think that just kind of sets, sets the stage for building out your program, getting the word out for what you're doing, mm-hmm. and just making sure that people know who you are. Yeah. So you, I think I mentioned at the top of this, Flying Sea Ranch is your brand. So has that always been the brand? 
It has. It has been the brand since the farm started. So my father-in-law, um, Dr. Robert Clark, started the farm as a hobby um, back in the 80s. And he decided to name it Flying C because he um, was a general surgeon and, you know, that was his career and farming was his hobby. But he also had the hobby of aviation and he loved to fly. So with his last name being Clark, there formed the Flying C. And I can promise you he had no idea that that was going to be what it is today. Yeah. What what, what year was that? It was in the 80s. Yeah. Okay. Put me on the spot. No. So here we are. So, (laughs) well, three decades at least, I would assume. And so, uh, yeah, so Flying Sea Ranch. So you guys have, have taken on a few changes just in the last few years. Is that right? That's right. Yeah, several changes, um, things that come from Mother Nature, things that come from, you know, what the consumer needs. But, yeah, we started as um, a cow-calf operation. My husband was uh, running the farm, and um, it was kind of a graduated college. I don't know what I'm going to do. I'm going to run the farm. So he started started farming, and then fast forward to about 2014, you know, we, of course, ate beef, Um but we, he decided, you know what, let's try this farm-to-table thing. And so my mother-in-law, Leanna Clark, also started um, forming the program, and they started going to farmer's markets and selling beef to the consumer just to see mm-hmm. what that was like. I, mean, I don't think Shop Local was a huge deal back then. It was starting. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and so what – I'll ask. So obviously we're talking about a, a beef cattle operation here. So what was the what was the – sales strategy if you will before the farmer's market do you know do you know what that was yeah it was selling calves off the farm or taking them you know to a a feedlot in kansas selling them off or or, you know elsewhere um it was not marketing the product to the consumer per se yeah i know michael your husband uh this morning uh, helped us out with a radio interview and one of the Mm -hmm. one of the things that the the host kept saying is uh you know, the sale barn. He get referenced the sale <laughs> barn. And so Michael just said, you know, why don't you come to the farm? Come on out and see us. <laughs> and, you know, when he when he was finished, he told me, like, like I you know, sale barn is probably just how everybody thinks mm-hmm. about. So you guys obviously have taken a different path. How, how has that journey been? You know, I think any any of the family would say it's gone surprisingly well um Mm -hmm. it was you know a hobby and hey let's kind of see how this goes and we want to keep the farm going keep it in the family but let's try something new and it has gone better than we could have ever imagined you Mm know um i would argue even our family didn't eat local as much as we should have Mm -hmm. um, until we kind of got into this but really we want to get beef right onto the consumer's plate our prices are comparable to what you see in the store our product is significantly better once you try it I've even had people say I tried your ground beef and wow I mean (laughs) even the colors different you can see it right the smell coming right out of the package so wow yes that's awesome all right I'm I'm flooded with questions so bear with me so you guys so I'm curious like so well let's just talk really quickly about what do you, what do you offer to consumers? Like, can I, can I buy, is it ground beef only? Am I buying a ribeye? What is it? We can give you whatever you want if it comes from a cow. So, 
Um, you know, if you want to buy the whole cow, we can, you can choose how you want your cuts. If you want it to be all ground beef, if you want to have steaks, if you want to have a number of roasts, of course it depends on the, the makeup of the body. You know, mm-hmm. you can't have a, an entire cow of roast, but if you want to buy it in bulk, we've got it for you. If you want a retail cut and you want two steaks for date night, we got you. Really? Um, if you want some ground beef that we can do that too. So it's in individual packages and we keep our ground beef in about one pound packages, but, mm-hmm. um, individual retail cuts, just like you would have at the store that are in vacuum sealed packages, ready to eat straight from the processor. Yeah. So you guys, do you guys partner with someone to, to process we beef. do. So um, because it is retail cut, it does have to be USDA inspected for us mm-hmm. to sell it to you. And so we do, there are very limited USDA inspected facilities in the state of Arkansas, mm-hmm. but we do partner with Cypress Valley Meat Company and they do all of our processing. They do a fantastic job. If you're buying bulk beef, you're going to work right with them and tell them what you want. And they do a great job educating on Here's what you can get. Oh, wow. Here's the number of cuts. Um, but then, you know, if it's just something we're going to retail cut, um, sell, then we get, we pick it up from the processor, we put it in our freezer, and we get ready to take your order. Wow. Okay. That's incredible. I bet, I guarantee, I mean, I didn't know anything about this, and I guarantee you most of our listeners now did not know this. So that's- A lot of people don't. Yeah, that's fascinating. And uh, so- I'm curious, you you know so much about this. Uh, what was your background? Well, fun fact, I my background is kind of my my current state as well. So okay. the farm is not what I do for full time. I work at Merkel, which is um, a performance marketing global agency, uh, mm-hmm. but I work out of the Little Rock office remotely now. So I do that full time, and then I do marketing on the side for the farm, just to you know whatever we need, Facebook sure. page little bit of websites, um, you know, merchandise, if we have any t-shirts or cups, things yeah. like that. Oh, a woman after my own heart. That's awesome. So you, you came in with a little bit of insider knowledge. Just a little bit. Yeah. 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 So, but I'm, I'm curious though. I mean, what you shared today with the audience is, number one, I think a really important, and this is a really interesting thread that I hear uh, more more times than not. I recently visited Delta Dirt Distillery in Phillips County, mm-hmm. and that business was really born in 1987 when farming got really tough, row crop farming, mm-hmm. and they needed to diversify or die, as Harvey Williams tells the story. So uh, his father started planting sweet potatoes, mm-hmm. right? And that's that's how they started growing sweet potatoes. Harvey comes along and says, how do I preserve the future of this farm? you know, my version and discovers vodka made of sweet potatoes and they are now using the sweet potatoes they grow on the farm to distill into vodka and that so on and so forth to diversify and to, like you said, I I think the, I think the marketing to consumers transition that y'all made is probably not that different. I mean, of course you have your own version of the story, Mm -hmm. but it's not that different of a strategy, right? Yeah. And and so is that kind of what you heard? Did you hear feedback in the room today when you presented? We did hear some of that feedback. And I think the biggest thing is just adaptability, being Mm -hmm. flexible, being ready to take that next step. And you're going to make mistakes and you're going to learn. We learn every single day, I can promise you. Um, But I think just, you know, 
farming, we have to keep farming alive. And the way that we do that is we adapt to our current environment. And, you know, Mm -hmm. Farm Bureau has a lot of wonderful resources that have helped us along the way. I would say connections are huge. That's one thing that's really, really taken us to where we are. Yeah. That's one good thing about this, this state convention. And I know I've heard so many times, so glad we're back in person, things like that. But the connections that can happen here, you you can almost look at someone and know if they're a rancher here because they've got the right boots on or the right hat on or a different shirt. You know, it's kind of funny, but, Mm -hmm. but you know, immediately, Hey, this guy does what I do, or this lady does what I do. And and Mm -hmm. you can make that connection and learn from one another. Well, I I can't imagine how valuable the building your brand session was for folks, because I know I just hear it in the hallways and I, I hear it all the time. Folks are just thinking, thinking, you know, how do I reach consumers now? Because, on the other side of that, you know, I may work in agriculture, but, mm-hmm. you know, I have a family that are just regular. I'm a consumer, too, and yeah, I have a family that's people. consumers. And, yeah. and I know how fascinating it is to buy a steak that you know lived on this 40 acres or, mm-hmm. you know. Mm-hmm. I was even thinking when you were talking about the processing partner, I bet you guys know how many miles, you know, that steak traveled from your farm to that facility and now to my house. I could tell you that steak went 25 miles before it got to my house or whatever. Yeah, exactly. I mean, people love that. They love it. The animals are born on the farm. They never leave the farm until Mm -hmm. they go to the processing facility, which is in Pottsville. And then it comes right back to the farm and we sell it. And one of the cool things is you can come right out to our farm and see us. If you want to come see where the animals live and what are they drinking, where do they sleep? (laughs) Um, You know, a lot of people have this concept of, like you said earlier, maybe it's a sale barn or they live in a barn. No, they graze on green pasture. We plant Mm -hmm. winter annuals, turnips. They eat, you know, kind of like we do. Um, Yeah. We try to make sure they have the best life that they can, and mm-hmm. and they are gentle, and we have bottle-fed babies, and, you know, we've got two right now, and we feed twice a day. And, wow. um, you know, people people do kind of get freaked out about the concept behind that. So, yeah. But it's a reality, you know. That's, sure. That's what our animals are for. And so um, I would just encourage people to come on out and see us and, and see what we're doing and how we're raising it and, and go home with a steak. Yeah. Oh, you want? yeah. Yeah, for sure. Well, all right, with that. Two questions. I could talk about this all day, all yeah, day, by the way. So I apologize for, uh, I think I told <laughs> you I need, need to talk to you for 10 minutes. But anyway, uh, so are you are you guys doing anything agritourism or, because I haven't been there, admittedly, I will change that now, <laughs> or uh, do you consider something you're doing now? So are you in the future, or maybe you currently are, something that we might consider agritourism. And for anybody listening who doesn't know the definition of that term, this is any sort of opportunity uh, that involves agriculture, but also involves a consumer audience to come take a look. Right now, that could be a Christmas tree farm. It could have been a pumpkin patch before, um, you know, vineyards that are serving up, or, or I'm thinking about harvest host that mm-hmm. allows the opportunity to camp on a farm with an RV or something like that. So are you guys doing anything now or do you have any plans for that? So we've done a little bit of of that in the past. So we also have a pecan orchard on the Arkansas river. And so we were one of the only you pick orchards in the state where you could come out and and pick pecans Mm -hmm. um, right off the ground. Now mother nature has not really been our friend the last couple of years and being on the river, we've had 
flooding the last three years that we've completely lost our crop. So oh, we've progressed into something different there. We still sell pecans, but the you pick um, has sunset, if you will. But sure. we offer ag tourism informally in that if you are interested in buying beef and you just want to see what we're doing, what are we feeding? Are you grass fed? Are you grain fed? You can just call us or message us on Facebook and we'll set up time for you to just come to the farm. We've got some old Willie's Jeeps that we like to drive yeah. people around in. You can come and see everything. Um, we'll give you a, a nice little tour and then you can also shop our freezer and, and mm-hmm. try the beef yourself just to see what it's all about. Yeah. Well, you can put the Browns down for one of those trips. Okay. And that one of those Willie's Jeeps was actually made pretty famous recently. It was. You want to talk Bozeman. about that? Yeah. So we we love to be involved with um, our local politicians. That's how we're mm. going to keep our farming alive. They, yeah, sure. They're going to be our voice in Washington. And so um, Senator Bozeman was kind enough to come out on his fall ag tour and he visited the farm. And so I think he had a good time. We took him around in a Willie's Jeep, and I think that might have been a first. Yeah, so it was funny. Michael showed up to our office uh, that maybe the next day, I guess, and I'm like, hey, man, you're pretty famous. And he (laughs) said, what? And I pulled up the picture. He had no idea. And he's like, that's literally just how we take people around. I was like, this is the picture that's made it, like, further than any other picture from his entire, like, week here. Uh It was pretty funny. Yeah, that is funny. Michael driving him around, and then he was – not pleased with, uh, I think, one of the shirts in the background. Oh, uh, yeah. We won't talk about that too much, huh? <laughs> it has to do with an opposing football team. I'll yeah. leave it at that. But. I'll just leave it right All there. All right. So, Flying Sea Ranch, please, please, please tell us how can we buy some of that delicious beef? How can we contact you? How can we find you, please? Sure. So we really like to focus on social media. It's just an easy way for consumers to get to us. So we're on Facebook and Instagram as Flying Sea Ranch. Okay. You look that up, you'll find us. Just send us a quick message. We have a website as well. Um, Mm -hmm. It's called (laughs) cowsandpecans.com. If you just Google Flying Sea Ranch, it'll come up. But that has more contact information. We know that not everybody is a social media guru. So, Mm -hmm. of course, you can just give us a call. Um, Our phone numbers on the website it might take a little bit to get back to you because we do have some ebb and flow of uh high volumes but just call us and uh and and place an order you know we've got every cut you can imagine i will say you know if you're looking for the holidays i would say pre-order yeah for sure Um, but just message us or give us a call awesome well thank you lauren so much lauren lee with flying sea ranch uh and you guys please give them a call send them a facebook message Schedule some time to go out and visit the farm. Uh, Certainly buy some of the uh, Arkansas raised beef and uh, pick your cut, it sounds like. There you go. That's right. We're looking forward to future visits. Yeah. All right. Well, thank you so much and hope hope to have you back on the Arkansas AgCast. Yeah, I would love that. Thanks for having me today. Now we hear from Terrence Bolden of TLB Enterprises in North Little Rock. An exhibitor at this year's convention trade show, Bolden talks about his efforts to produce and sell automated portable container hydroponic systems for growing fruits, vegetables, and other commodities year-round. Welcome to AgCast. I'm Keith Sutton with Arkansas Farm Bureau, and today my guest is one of our exhibitors uh, at our trade show, Terrence Bolden with TLB Enterprises. Welcome to AgCast, Terrence. Keith, thank you. I'm, I'm happy to be here. 
So uh, Terrence, tell everybody about TLB Enterprises for those who haven't heard of you. Okay. TLB Enterprises is a small business here in Arkansas. We started out as primarily a consulting group, extended into sales of products and services over the, since 1995, and I've just kind of been building. Uh, that's our anchor and mother company. Okay. Um, we, I, first of all, I grew up in Arkansas. I grew up in Lono County, um, farm family, um, <laughs> Bryant's, and my mom's maiden name was Bolden, but uh, my dad is Elvin Bryant. There's a lot of people out there saying, I'm probably related. Yeah, yeah. that's old folks that Bolden and Bryant's those names. Yeah. So we grew up on the farm and um, raising gardens and chickens and hogs and, you know, cattle and riding horses and doing all that good stuff. Um, but uh, TLB Enterprises was founded primarily to target small businesses and help them really understand high-level uh, engagement around subsidies, grant programs. I'm, I'm a federal grants administrator by trade, um, but just a business owner and CEO by day. So uh, I, I've kind of taken all that experience over the years. I uh, went to school at ULR, Philander, and uh, graduated with a degree in organizational management. And then I went and got a certification through Texas A&M Engineering Extension Service when I lived in Texas for a period of time as a construction inspector and engineering technician. I did a lot of work over the years with Grubbs, Gunn, and Hoskins engineers on soil testing and all that kind of stuff. So it kind of gave me a full 360-degree view. Well, I mean, you got a broad background. Yeah, and um, so from the engineering, agricultural, business, and organizational management side, and then looking how government's programs and subsidies can support the small farmers, I kind of brought it all together underneath a consulting umbrella. Then uh, I moved away for a period of time. Uh, to deal with some clean energy opportunities that we could supplement with these agricultural programs and went to Dubai in 2012 and stayed there for seven years, 2019. And then I came back and my wife's family and father's 94 years old in Florida. So um, I'm kind of split between my home state where all my siblings live. I got nine of them uh, here in uh, Arkansas, central Arkansas. And uh, we still own that land down there in Allport, Humnoke area. And um, just started really working toward how do we put a product out here with the work I'd done over in Dubai in those seven years, working with something called Stud Pack. Stud Pack is a packaged hydroponic aquaponic aquacultural program where we take shipping containers and what we call pop-up containers, 40 foot, 20 foot, and build them out with technology for lighting, uh, PVC piping and water. And then um, it, it basically video casting every second of the growing cycle that you can use an app on your phone to control the misting of water uh, in these units and watch uh, what it is in the growing cycle, which we grow 365 days a year, 24-7, uh, inside of these contained environments for temperature control. So it doesn't matter what the temperature is outside. You can have right. perfect temperature inside the unit. Uh, we've got door locking systems that are sealed. Uh, we can do everything from far, everything farm to table, just about lettuce, tomatoes, peppers, onions, wow. mushrooms, all the lines of berries from strawberries to mulberries to uh, blackberries and all that kind of stuff. Wow. And then we do barley and fodder for animals. Okay. So they get the direct nutrition from the plant and the protein. And so this is a clean food cycle where we don't do any fighting about arid land and what we do with fertilizer and all that kind of stuff. We do what we do. Now, I'm a farmer uh, by, at heart. So we got some 
farm plots that we're working with partners, 40 acres, 70 acres here and there, some out in Rose City, some in Wrightsville, some down in Lono County, where we're building up with cattle, doing some hay, uh, some chickens, rabbits, all that kind of stuff. Um, and then uh, building out these units for hydroponic, aquaponic, and then aquaculture with fish. So if we want to do uh, organic, we take tilapia, and we're doing some research right now for all the Arkansas okay. folks on catfish uh, to be yeah. growing them in these tanks. They're like tanks. I'll call them tanks. Kind of reminds me, when I think about it, when I was a kid in school, we made enclosed terrariums. Yes. Everything was in there. You never had to do anything to it. True. And it, it's sort of like that. Yeah, yeah. It's a only contained system. Absolutely. It's about two hours a day per unit for maintenance for one person. So one person can manage about four of these 40-foot units Wow! in the course of a day. And if I give you kind of, it's mind-boggling, about 160,000 heads of lettuce per year out of these wow. units because they're growing in, in cycles of, you know, from four to six weeks, right. depending on what the leafy uh, vegetable is. It's mostly leafy vegetables. Um, and I said the tomatoes and all these kind of things. Um, farm to table directly where you can open up a fresh food market in a rural or urban area where you got these food deserts. And that's where the partners that we could work with who buy these units that are going to be the distribution source. Small farmers take, you know, you can stack these units three high. Really? Yes. And they're stable. Oh, wow, that's even and, better. Yeah, and we can tie them down. So the only thing you got to worry about is what you normally would worry about if we in your house, which would be a tornado. But if a tornado comes through there, it's going to tear up the house and, and industrial districts like it's been doing in the past. We, that's an element we just have to manage through with insurance and what have you. But overall, that's the, the concept is the three arms are, you know, hydroponics, aquaponics, right. and then aquaculture. Now, when we talk about hydroponics, we're talking about straight, you know, nutrients going to the plant. And then aquaponics is a little bit different where we're dealing with the water component. Right. But it's all done with science. Um, universities support it and researched and no chemicals, fertilizers, unless we're using natural organic uh, fertilizer coming from the fish. Are you uh, working at all with UAPB? I, I saw recently <laughs> some aquaponics work they were doing with tilapia. I'm, I'm doing some early work uh, with another consulting project with the UAPB and leading into that after the first of the year. But with the UAPB, cooperative uh, service here in research division. I've talked with Ron Rainey and he, he wants to help talk about how we push that forward. It's a little early for me to get into right. the details, That's okay. but the answer would be, yes, we want to do that. I, I was introduced to UAPB years ago by a guy named Henry Golat. Uh, he was the economic development officer over there for many, many years. Uh -huh. Now he's moved to, to Akron, Ohio and is doing big things over there now. Uh, over the last decade, but most folks will know that name for what the work that yes. Henry has done. A lot of the work on the whole aquaponics and right. uh, horticultural piece, he did a lot of work on that economic development over there and got some of that help, got some of that started financially. So I know a lot of individuals who are throwing up greenhouses in their yard. There's, I think there's more and more people want to grow their own food. It's getting to be like it used to be, sort of. More people coming back to growing their own food. Is it, are these systems uh, ex inexpensive enough that you could do that at your home if you wanted? Or, or are you targeting a totally different market? Okay, there's 
three markets, okay, there is the individual that may be in a position uh, to buy one of these units. On average, we got the smaller units that'll go somewhere between uh, 22000 to 40000 Those are small 10-foot units uh, that are sold for that purpose that you're talking about. But our 20 to 40-foot units are going to be somewhere between 55000 to 80000 Those are for people who are really growing as farmers, farm to table, uh, off taking, uh, targeting off takers like Whole Foods, Dollar Generals, right. Walmart's, Kroger's, and groups like that. And then they have their own little fresh food market that we can use a pop up container, by the way, to fit out. Ah. And they sell right out of there. They harvest out of the unit, a retrofitted unit for growing the food. And then they go right in there and set up, take your credit card, whatever, with this new technology cool. we have offline. I mentioned to you as well, I've been on a small dairy recently where a young lady uh, has just a few cows. Uh, she does her own cooking that mm-hmm. she sells. And uh, she's raising fodder yes. in a similar system. Uh, and that's something you mentioned that, that can be done with these. Absolutely. Uh, barley and fodder can be grown in these. We're doing it in the UAE, United Arab Emirates. We also that after seven years to the farming co-op over there. We still have two of our consultants that's doing work with them. But it's going really well. And when you think about a place like that, yeah. that uh, imports almost 90% of their food, this kind of solution can really tilt the scales and make it a big, big difference in a desert area where you don't get any rain unless they seed the clouds. They're doing a lot of stuff with all that now. I don't trust that kind of rain too much. <laughs> but at the end of the day, um, going back to your question a little bit and tying in people working off the land now, going back to the way things were when I was a kid, we grew all of our food. We, we in, the, in the backyard, we had two acres back there, tomatoes, okra, onions, lettuce, sweet potatoes, um, what we call iced potatoes, that's the way we say it here. Uh, that's right. <laughs> rather than Irish. But um, you, we were doing watermelon, everything, greens, all the stuff that you could eat and can. Yep. You can in, for the winter, grew in the summer. So, but now with these containers, they work in cooperation with greenhouses. So there are certain things you can do in greenhouses you can't do in these containers, okay? And the natural light. Right. Uh, okay. The other challenge you'll have with a greenhouse is when it gets cold. Whereas these containers, greenhouse the temperature is much more difficult to control once you get past fall in the winter, especially heavy winters that we might get in right. places like Arkansas. Um, you're using a vast green, and, you know, <laughs> you're going to have a rough time. Right. So, uh, but these, you combine the two, what you grow in the greenhouses, you're not growing in these containers. And there are things you may want to do in dirt soil in a greenhouse that you don't do uh, in soilless kind of environments like what we're doing. And you combine the two, and then you drop and lower your cost over time. So you scale the cost. Um, we do advisement and designs for greenhouses. We do advisement and, advi- and uh, designs for grow houses, which are retrofitted industrial facilities, uh, massive warehouse-type structures where you grow in there. Uh, there's a lot of those popping up around the country. So we do those designs. And then we do designs um, for growing specific kinds of, of things like medicinal uh, marijuana products with hemp right. or hemp products where you take hemp to really uh, do things like rope, right. clothes, backpacks, these kind of things. We have a whole design structure for that. So um, right now our goal is to share this information, look for partners who want to be distributors. Uh, we have a distribu- distribution unit called Stud Pack Deucer, which is Stud Pack Distribution USA, like Stud Pack Moose right. Manufacturing USA. So all this stuff is done right here between 
our distribution centers here in Arkansas that we worked through, uh, two or three locations we're going to be open up toward the end of the first or second quarter, depending on what goes on with COVID. We got a lot of challenges there. But we are, it'll be definitely open in 2022 as All a distribution right. hub. We were supposed to have it open this year. We had a few thing challenges on an 11-acre plot that didn't work out. But I think that uh, we're in the right spot at the right moment with this. And as we look at what's going on in Arkansas, we got small farmers that are hurting. Yeah. This kind of solution gives them year-round income. And if we're working with the Farm Bureau Bank, Credit Union, uh, Arvest has been a good partner with us on getting this started. Um, we're talking about leasing capacity for some of these units where they're not having to get stuck with a bunch of debt and they can see in that first year to two years, the cycle of growth and offtaking and money and how all that comes together. And we have a program for that. And then the good thing is we work with kids and young people uh, uh-huh. to certify them and badge, uh, and certifications for the technology component okay, of how to manage great. these units and, and, and the system of farming around these units including the business element of the distribution chain and how the offtaking will work and who do they target. We have uh, something called the Farmers Exchange Platform that identifies all of the uh, fresh food markets in a given area, what other farmers are growing and selling, so you don't have to be in direct competition with them if right. you want to plan that way. So what they're not doing, you're doing, you guys combine and kind of team up and go to the market with it because there, there's no way one group can do it all. Right. But I think here, this is a solution if we're working with a partner like the Farm Bureau. And I want to thank um, Steve Addington. I want to thank Rich Hillman. I want to take, thank Stanley over there. And I want to thank Jeremy Wesson for being just great with us when it came to uh, getting us set up here at this exhibit. We've had some great feedback here. And, man, I tell you, the Farm Bureau is the kind of partner uh, that groups like us need to get the word out and to show farmers that there are other options year-round. Right. We're not talking about getting rid of air. You can't. You got to do cotton. You got to do soybeans. We don't do that kind of stuff. You got to do rice. I, You know, I, I grew up down near England's Stuttgart area. So, Riceland Foods, duck capital, rice capital of the world down there. And, you know, right outside of Lone Oak, that's Arkansas County over there in Stuttgart. We don't claim that. But <laughs> yeah, uh, uh, down in Lone Oak and Allport in England, Stuttgart, all there. We play football, basketball. Matter of fact, I played basketball against Rich Hillman. In high oh, school. Oh, wow. Really? Yeah, yeah. <laughs> so, it, 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 and Rich Hill, by the way, is the president of Farm Bureau guy. But, uh, you know, good, great guy. Uh, and I'm just excited about, Keith, about, you know, what's, what's on the horizon. Of course, we got all these economic challenges and yeah. negative things yep. that people talk about. But at the end of the day, at some point, we got to keep moving f- the needle forward and live, you know. And part of living is, sounds- is good food extremely positive what you're doing uh, uh being able to go around and visit farms all over the state mm-hmm. i can see so many applications yes sir. Uh, for what you're doing so before we end up here uh tell folks where they can go to look for more information Terrence. okay good um one we got a toll-free number at 888-244-6118 or call me directly at 850-766-9073 don't get confused with that first Three digits. Uh, I'm, I'm a local Arkansas guy. And then second, thirdly, you can go to our website, www.studpackmusa, S-T-U-D-M-U-S-A dot farm. Okay. Dot F-A-R-M. So, again, that's www.studpackmusa, 
which is S-T-U-D-P-A-C-M-U-S-A dot farm. And dot farm. Be sure to use dot, dot farm. farm. It will not come up on the dot com. Okay. So uh, dot farm, uh, and they'll find a plethora of information, a massive amount of information about all of our consulting services, what we do with these containers, how we get you started with the distribution hub and all that kind of stuff. We can barely scratch the surface here, but we're really appreciative of you coming and taking a few minutes to talk to us and share information about what y'all are doing. Keith, pleasure's been all mine. Let's make this happen for our small farmers here in the you state. Betcha. And uh, get this thing moving, man. Thank you, Terrence. Thank you. Finally, we're joined by Lucas Whittington of St. Francis County Farm Bureau, who shares his insights as a first-time attendee at convention including what he sees as the most valuable opportunities for young farmers. And this time I am joined uh, by my friend Lucas Whittington from St. Francis County Farm Bureau. Uh, Lucas, I wanted to bring you, first of all, welcome. Uh, I wanted to bring you in because you've got a unique perspective on state convention, and that is this is your first time to ever attend. Is that right? Yes, sir. That's right. All right. So, um, you know, I thought it'd be kind of fun to talk about what your expectations were coming into to the event um, and kind of what got you here after we talk a little bit about you and your farm, of course. And then and then let's talk about, all right, now we're sort of in, ta- in day two, halfway through day two. What are, you, what are you seeing? What are you learning? What do you, you know, things like that. Does that sound okay? Yes, sir. All right. Good deal. Well, first, let's start just by uh, talking talking to us a little bit about yourself and uh, your farm, and and yeah, we'll start there. All right. So, like you said, my name's Lucas Whittington. I'm from St. Francis County. I grew up on a family farm. In fact, I'm the fifth generation. For that oh wow! Family farm. Okay. And so, to to say that I have an interest in farming is White. Yeah, I'd say so. Yes, sir. And this is actually my first year of farming, too. So okay. So I farmed a little bit myself this year. And so, of course, most of the operation is my father. And mm-hmm. he's he's the operator, manager, mm-hmm. all that in that regard. And he's training me up. Okay. So I guess that's a little bit of background. Uh, we are all row crop. So okay. So soybeans, and this, is, this was our third year of peanuts. Okay. Yeah, so we are seeing peanuts take off over there. Of course, Lee County. Yes, sir. And then further north, like Craker County, around there. Are we seeing more and more peanuts creep into, I guess, creep north into St. Francis County? Well, uh, there's several around us that farm peanuts as well, mm-hmm. which historically we haven't. Some of our ground has, but okay. we haven't. Okay. So I'm curious – and this is not a podcast about peanuts, but now you've piqued my interest. So I'm curious, did you guys start the peanut uh, production, you know, to fight off cotton issues? I, which, that is a big goal for some people. You know, uh-huh. add something else into the rotation. Yeah. But uh, for us, it was just more diversity, I guess. Yeah. Which Delta Peanut was a big company that just got started up cooperative up in Jonesboro. Right, right, right. So that's what 
really brought us into it. Is that is that who you are growing for? Because it's a different facility in Mariana, yes. right? So in yeah. Mariana, it's just the buying point where okay. our peanuts are warehoused until they're taken up to the shelling plant. Okay, so Mariana is part of Delta. You taught me something. I've yes, been sir. by that facility, but I don't think I realized that. So you when so you guys produce peanuts. They go to Mariana to the buying point, and then eventually make their way to processing in in Jonesboro. Yes, sir. That's correct. Yeah, I promise this is not a podcast about peanuts, but I do want to talk about that one day. So maybe you can come back. We'll see. All right. So how many acres of of peanuts do you have? Well, we're we're real small. Yeah. But about three hundred and thirty is what we had this year. Mm-hmm. And to be honest, that's probably the equivalent of probably sixteen hundred. 1500 1, acres of cotton yeah I mean, it that's takes, it takes a long time with peanuts to do anything that's what i was gonna i was gonna ask about scale uh yeah i was gonna ask you to scale that for which me of which course, you since i said numbers somebody's gonna get angry probably and say oh no but yeah know, yeah one way or the other hey it's all relative yes, you sir. know it's okay but for us that's yeah about right. a, a significant well you know i mean i mean you know for for your first couple of years it sounds like that's a you guys are kind of dove two feet in, you know. Not not like some people have. Yeah. Okay. All right. Well, um, well, so we're we're here though to talk about Farm Bureau. So, and, uh, sorry, Farm Bureau State Convention. So let's let's talk a little bit about that. So this is your first state convention, as we established. Did you uh, did you have any expectations before this? Have you heard through the grapevine what it might be like? Could you, you know, I don't know. Well, uh, to be completely honest. Yeah. I came here with absolutely no expect. You know, I no, I don't mean that in a bad way. I mean, no, I didn't, yeah, I hadn't really heard anything about it. I hadn't mm-hmm. ever been here before, of course, like we said. Mm-hmm. So I just came and see what it was. I guess. Yeah. Well, let me let me back up a tad. Do you do you care if I ask you something that's uh, you know, faux pas? I guess if I ask you how old you want, how old you are. Oh, I'm 23. You're 23. Okay. Yes, when you when you left high school, did you did you go to school? Did you immediately start working on the farm? Kind of what was your path? Well, uh, of course, all through my growing up, I worked on the farm. But mm-hmm. then I graduated high school. I went to Mississippi State and got a degree in ag business. Okay. Came, immediately came back to the farm. Was that the plan all along? Yes, sir. Okay. I didn't know how far up of a degree I guess I'd be going for, but I just got to bachelor's and came back home. Yeah. Okay. So you got out, you got a little bit of experience, you kind of understand ag business, and and you're working on the farm, not only working on the farm, but now farming on your own. Just a little bit. Yeah. Just a little bit, I know. But you're farming on your own. And uh, so it's a first Farm Bureau State Convention, Arkansas Farm Bureau State Convention. No expectations whatsoever. I didn't know what I was walking into. No. Okay. Well, did you have any, did you have a goal or objective? Like, did you have something like, when I come home, I hope I have, or I bring home this, or are you just like, hey, let's just go kind of see what it's all about. Let's go see what I can learn and come home. Yeah. Okay. All right. So we've been going a day, like I said, day, day and a half, something like that. And uh, so I'm just curious, at what have you seen? Uh, well, of course, they have all the exhibits, which, uh-huh. uh, you know, John Deere, all the big name stuff, like you'd expect at a mm-hmm. convention, and then several smaller ones that I weren't familiar with. That it was neat to just 
doctor. I went to two programs this morning. The first one was the succession planning. Yes. I think right. will be very important to me in my future. Yeah. And then the next one I went to was all about uh, connecting broadband in Arkansas. Yeah. So I'm curious. So what 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 piqued your curiosity about uh, succession planning? Well, of course, like we just mentioned, I just started farming, and so in a way, the succession has began. Mm-hmm. Now, what route, how fast, all that is still up, you know, to be decided. Mm-hmm. But it's definitely something that the future holds. So why not know all that you can about it before you get started? Yeah, that was a pretty popular session. I, I'll say it like I led that session. We had Trav Baxter with Mitchell Williams Law Firm come in and speak to the group about uh, succession planning, estate planning, um, all the ins and outs, um, sort of how that happens if you don't make plans and make preparations to um, be prepared, which probably not, as he pointed out, uh, not how you expect that to go. Um, so I think that, yeah, I think you're right. It's really popular. We're going to do a lot more about that. Tra- I'm going to have Trav on the Arkansas AdCast, and we're going to do some some content about that. And then you, you went to see broadband. I'm, I'm really interested. I've, I've been able to work closely with Philip Powell from our office on the broadband work that we're doing. I'm curious, what, what got you there? What, what, why'd you pick that? Well, it's, it's important to a lot, of, a lot of us, especially, that live out mm-hmm. because – the internet is expensive and not always that good. Yeah. Are you are you curious about that because of its impact on uh, what I'll call your personal life, you know, internet access at home, whether it's, you know, taking in Netflix or, you know, uh, a, a doctor's appointment, you know, things like that? Or are you, are you more interested in it from a farming perspective and in the amount of technology that we now use on the farm or well, both I the, guess. the personal definitely has its place uh-huh. right now. of course it's always nice to have be able to click on something and it load up yeah instead yeah of click on it and you'll find something else to do for a while and then come <laughs> back and hope that it's loaded by then yeah but of course so many things are online now with business mm-hmm. whether it's bills or you know the whole gamut whole mm-hmm. whole list of things yeah so it's probably more important for the business side of things. What what did you hear in that session that that was interesting or that you know it was a takeaway? Uh, well, they they talked a lot. Of course, there's works for fiber and then mm-hmm. also for the uh, wireless, which you know I, I have my opinions on certain things, but sure. But they were just talking how that they're trying to make sure they have a good plan going forward. Yeah, I, I think Philip and and that team doing a lot of work. There's a, a lot of money flowing from the at the federal level with some of the recent uh, spending bills that have been uh, passed. Um, a lot of a lot of funds dedicated to broadband. I think COVID exposed a lot of weaknesses in that broadband infrastructure that probably folks like you who lived in a rural community for a long time knew were there. But now we really had to rely on these things. And and the thing that I keep hearing over and over again is, you know, reliable broadband is not a luxury. It's not it's not something that you should be electing to have or like you said, pay a lot to have. It is really a necessity. 
uh, nowadays because and just because you pay a lot doesn't necessarily mean you have it's quality, right? Yes, sir. Yeah, we hear that a lot too. So you know you can see your doctor with broadband. You can pay your bills with broadband. You can keep in touch with family or go to school or run your business or work from home or whatever through broadband. So it really is a necessity. And I think what, what Farm Bureau is trying to do, Philip Powell leading that effort for us is making sure that those funds are invested in a, in a, in a meaningful way. Uh, and, and probably, I don't want to speak for Philip, but if I bet he would say also in a expedited manner too, that we can see some of these changes happen quickly. Hope so. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Okay, so so you had took in a couple of good sessions this morning. I think as we speak, there's a legislative committee uh, meeting going on upstairs, which is obviously important to us. Um, and we've got a general session this afternoon, and then of course we'll be getting down to business uh, with policy and things like that um, tomorrow as we round things out. So, what I mean, you know, just thinking about it, you know. Do you, do you see do you see yourself coming back? You think it's been valuable so far? I'm sure you've got plans to attend even more stuff today and tomorrow. Oh yes, sir. I think it. I think it's been really good. Just if for nothing else, walking around like I said, seeing faces with companies and such. Yeah. But I enjoyed the sessions this morning, and I hope to continue to get more out this afternoon and tomorrow. Yeah, for sure. I'll be here tomorrow for the voting, of course. Yeah, and then. Um, because you you were taking on a leadership role in St. Francis County, right? Yes, sir. Here recently, I was elected the treasurer. I guess technically, it's secretary treasurer. Yeah. Role. And so I'm learning as I go. Yeah. So is Farm Bureau involvement is that sort of, is that part of your pedigree? Your parents or grandparents were they involved in Farm Bureau, or is that kind of starting with you? I have a uncle that's on the board and a cousin as well Uh i'm not as familiar with my parents yeah yeah okay and uh so so maybe some service that that runs in the family if you will that kind of got you there yes all right awesome well last question if i've got a farmer in the room i'm generally gonna ask this question so i'll ask you how did the season what kind of season did you guys have how did it wrap up and then what do you what do you think and what's on your mind for next year? Well, to be completely honest, through the year we were kind of worried. Everything was late; mm-hmm. didn't seem like it was going to perform like we needed it to. But it mm-hmm. came it came a long way there at the end. So we're pretty happy with how it turned out. Yeah. Okay. Next year, you making any changes? You you kind of sticking to the plan? What are you thinking for next year? Well, we're we kind of hold true with what got us where we are so yeah we're, we're not changing a whole lot no sir. just just keeping on doing the best we can keeping the crop rotation in yes, things sir. like that okay all right well that sounds good i hope you guys you know i hope you have a good off season if you will i know it i know off season to me just means meeting season to you guys as farmers but uh hope you have a good rest of your year good uh merry christmas and and uh I wish you well as you go into next growing season. Yes, sir. Well, thank you. All right, man. Well, thank you, Lucas, for joining me on the Arkansas AgCast, talking to us about your first time here at uh, State Convention. And, uh, yeah, we'll see you soon.
That's it for this week's Arkansas AgCast. We'll be back next Thursday with more interviews and news about Arkansas agriculture. 